0: Yo, and welcome back to Ride Better, Faster, a show about cycling, training, and racing. I'm Damien Roos. We're going to do something a little different today i'm going to share a new test yes it's another power profile test but this test takes as much effort as any other test it's free and it gives you the information that's missing from other test protocols that is performance in eight different critical periods in racing and using aerodynamic drag it differentiates between climbing and time trial qualities of a rider plus i have made an audio version of the test why audio There are some intervals that should not be capped by a power prescription. It's kind of like erg mode on a trainer. It might be holding you back. Okay, here's the thing. Testing sucks. We all know it. And you probably don't want to hear about another test. I get that. But... That's the athlete in me talking, the one that does the test or the one that thinks back to the middle of the last test that they did right when it started getting hard. Then they looked at the time and realized how much time they had left. But then you do get to the end. Somehow you make it. And this is where the athlete wants to know the numbers and the coach in me appears. Everyone is curious. Everyone loves numbers. Put a profile test in front of a rider at any level and even though they might not love the numbers – they'll love comparing themselves to other riders. So what if you could compare to other riders with more precision for about the same effort? That's what this new protocol is all about. It's adding a new layer on top of what is already out there. It's adding speed. But first, let's take a quick detour into why cyclists do tests. Tests give coaches and athletes a working tool to map the performance of a cyclist. They are a snapshot of a moment in time. They can't, not yet anyway, predict how you'll develop as a cyclist, but they can measure progress and effectiveness of training. As cycling is predominantly an aerobic sport, tests have always focused on aerobic measures such as maximal aerobic power or MAP, VO2 max, and functional threshold power. These are great predictors of performance, but don't tell the entire story of a cyclist. There are three energy systems that need to be employed when competing in any type of cycling event. So along with the aerobic system, there's the anaerobic or phosphocreatine system and the glycolytic or the lactic acid system. So there are tests out there that account for this. Allen and Coggins' power profile is a common one that tests four durations, five seconds, one minute, five minutes, and 20 minutes. Why these durations? Well, they approximate the underlying energy system that drives the numbers here. Five seconds, neuromuscular power. One minute, an indication of anaerobic glycolytic power. Five minutes, an estimate of power at VO2 max. And 20 minutes times it by 0.95, and you get an estimate of FTP. I know it's not perfect. Don't hate on me. Other tests are out there, and these include the Australian Institute of Sports test, the UCI World Cycling Centre tests, and there's other ways of profiling. There's insight, or there's critical power, or the prime model. It's not just the raw numbers from these tests that we're interested in, though. All riders want to compare themselves to others. Take Wout van Ert talking about comparing himself to Primoz Roglic, saying, I remember when, two years ago, I wanted to develop my time trial more. I completed a 20-minute test that came close to Roglic's wattages. Only I weighed 15 kilograms more than him. Well, it immediately put my performance in the right perspective. I quickly realized that a stage race specialist is on a different level." And so, standard values were developed. Again, Allen and Coggan developed benchmarks for their test based on the upper and lower limits on the achievements known from world champions and untrained persons. This range was split into levels from untrained to world record, and this compares the performance of a cyclist with that of his competitors and is expressed in watts per kilo. This comparison is also good to identify strengths and weaknesses, but it's limited as a predictor of performance in the real world. So what's missing? If we recap what we've covered so far, cyclists test to get a snapshot of their current capacity across three different energy systems. Mapping out these energy systems is a good way of predicting performance in a lab or on a solo ride but the factor missing here is the nature of bike racing. Not only are races usually decided by one or more decisive moves, but wind resistance also plays a significant role in deciding race performance. For example, relative power is a good predictor of performance uphill, but not for performance on a flat road. And this is why this new test called the Power Speed Profile was developed. So what is the Power Speed Profile? The Power Speed Profile is a model for predicting cycling performance that also takes into account aerodynamic drag and different terrain types. The concept was first introduced in a two-piece publication by the authors Van Braun and Vrooman in 2018. The power speed profile is based on eight different critical periods, standardized aerodynamic drag estimates, and elite benchmark values. Before getting into the actual protocol, let's break down each of these elements, starting with critical periods. These are periods of a race that Van Bon and Roman assessed as being the critical times when riders really need to unleash their power. They cite examples such as the moment when a rider attacks and tries to break away from a group or tries to close the gap to the group in front of him. Also, short periods in which a cyclist is hammering at the front of the leading group to stay away or an explosive final sprint can be considered as critical periods. Note that the critical periods are competition-specific. The intensity and duration differs from every type of race, but they roughly divide the continuum of critical periods into three different time periods, short, medium-long, and long. This division is based on specific race conditions and on the primary use of the specific energy system. Sound familiar? They go into further detail where each of the time periods are useful and give world tour race examples, but let's stick to the durations for now. They are divided as short, 5 to 60 seconds, medium, greater than 1 minute to 10 minutes, and long, 10 minutes to 1 hour. Van Bron and Roman took this further and defined eight critical periods, and these durations typically align with race-deciding moves. They include 5 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 1 minute, 4 minutes on a time trial bike, 4 minutes uphill with a 12% slope, 60 minutes on a time trial bike, and 60 minutes uphill on an 8% slope. So far, this part of the power profile sounds reasonable, and is only a slight rejig of the available tests, but it's the next part where it starts to deviate, the speed part of the profile. As mentioned earlier, the speed part is added because the authors say relative power is, however, not a good measure of performance when a rider is cycling at high speed. This is essentially the case when the performance of riders with different anthropometric characteristics such as height and weight is compared. This model calculates the power that the tested rider must generate to match the speed of a competitor. This approach has the advantage that this calculated power is derived from a single formula in which all factors that are important are included. Like this, we can properly compare the performance of a tested rider with performance of a competitor and gain insight into performance level of a cyclist on critical periods. In order to estimate the aerodynamic drag, the authors use body weight and height in a combination with a formula by Bassett and colleagues using the following coefficient of drag, CD, times frontal area, A. Time trial, CDA equals 0.7 times A. Road bike, hands in drops, CDA equals 0.88 times A. This is a standardized formula that can't take into account individual differences in riding styles and aerodynamic skills of riders of equal weight and height. Instead, it allows for comparison between different riders given the premise that all riders are equally skilled at minimizing their aerodynamic drag. We all know this isn't exactly true, but it's a good starting point, and it makes it easy for monitoring of progress for a single rider at different points in time. If you do know your CDA for your time trial position, or hands on top of the bars when you're climbing, for example, you might be able to input this in the future, But as an example for now, men in the 60-minute calculation for CDA, it's 0.234 and 0.214 for women. Next up is the fun part, the benchmarks. And as you would expect, the way they get to benchmarks for the speed power profile test is more detailed with four steps. But the final benchmark is the average speed that top riders achieve over a critical period. To get this benchmark, here are the four parts, height and weight of specialists. The average height and weight of the specialists in the model are determined on the basis of ranking the results of specific competitions and come from ProCyclingStats.com. Number two, they calculate the CDA with the formulas of Bassett that we just ran through. Number three, they use the highest average power with this data The generated average absolute power of these top riders was calculated and figures from Allen & Coggan and the World Cycling Centre Power Profile and their own data from their own practice as coaches is used. Number four, they calculate speed. Finally, the speed during the critical periods is calculated from a formula by Van Dyck and Vroom from their 2016 book, The Secret of Cycling. And as I mentioned, it's this speed of top riders that is used as a benchmark for each of the eight critical periods. Another way of breaking this down is this profile gives you a comparison of how many watts you, given your height and weight, need to produce across 5 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, etc. in order to match the speed of a top rider. If that is something that you're interested in, let's run through an overview of the test protocol. The test is based on two workouts done on separate days and they recommend a rest between each day. Day one is an anaerobic assessment of 6 seconds plus 30 seconds plus 1 minute. And day two is the aerobic assessment of 4 and 20 minutes used to estimate the FTP. Each day has a good warm-up that's about as long as the tests themselves. Something to note here is that the attention to detail when putting these together with particular focus on recovery so that you're fully recovered after each effort. And the authors note the rest periods that are used in existing power profile tests are too short for a full recovery. The number of intervals in these tests is also very high, which comes at the expense of quality of the efforts. Reminder, I have an audio version of the test for you that will be in your feed shortly. The results from your anaerobic and aerobic assessment forms the basis of your performance index. And as with Allen and Coggins profile, this is where the power speed profile really becomes useful. The way it works for the speed power profile is by taking your power for a given critical period and dividing it by the benchmark power of a top cyclist times 100. So an example of this is if your one minute power was recorded at 8 watts per kilogram and the top cyclist benchmark is 10.5 watts per kilogram, your performance index will be 76.2 out of 100, because the top rider benchmark for each critical period will always be 100. They have a spider chart with each of their critical periods on the outside, and you plot your area based on your values from 0 to 100. Of course, they have examples of different types of riders and different types of profiles. For example, a performance index of an all-rounder is very evenly distributed across all critical periods. The performance index of a sprinter is skewed towards the performance for 5 to 15 second durations and so on and so on. Your performance index for each critical period will then help you decide where your strengths and weaknesses are based on your current fitness. And this is where it can be used to plan your strategy for training and racing. Note That the performance index has been divided into three categories of riders to help you identify where you sit for each critical period depending on who you are. The categories and corresponding numbers are as follows. The performance index of pro tour riders is very good to exceptional is 90 to 100, 80 to 90 is good and 70 to 80 is moderate to fair. When you step down from that, from elite riders, you'll see that 90 to 100 becomes exceptional. 80 to 90 is good to very good, and 70 to 80 is moderate. So they essentially take a step up, accounting for the types of riders that they're competing against. And this is again the same when you look at the performance index of amateur and master riders, where 80 to 100 is exceptional, 70 to 80 is good to very good, and 60 to 70 is moderate to good. A small example of how I'm looking at using the speed power profile in my coaching is when I found out about it, of course, I wanted to plug in some numbers to see what it's all about. And luckily, the authors have a website to do this, which is free for now. It's at powerspeedprofile.com. So I plugged in an athlete that I am planning for right now, and we're building towards a national time trial title. So we are interested in the critical periods of 60 minutes and 4 minutes and because and because there is the distinction between climbing and time trial in this profile we can see where he puts out the best power for now and with the caveat that I mentioned earlier that would be much better when you can add your own CDA numbers but anyway his performance index numbers for 4 minutes Uh, on a time trial bike, uh, 92.8. Four minute effort on a 12% climb is 97.1. 60 minute effort on a time trial bike, 94.2. And 60 minute effort on 8% climb is 96.5. So the gap, between the time trial and climb performance index numbers show for now that he's able to reach high relative speeds on climbs rather than on the TT bike, meaning that he is more of a climber. But we will try to steer him towards a higher time trial performance index number before the actual race so we can follow along the progress and do this test over time to see those changes. So what do you think? It's true that if you've been around cycling for a while, you already know your strengths and weaknesses, and you would have even done a power profile test. This test does help assist with more precision and better comparison. It's not perfect, and in the author's critical notes, they point out that there's a compromise in not taking into account the standing position in climbing hills, as well as using standardized drag coefficients. It also misses longer than 60-minute efforts, which are important in many types of racing and important to monitor over time as well. But what is cool is that you can do this for free and they've just released it out into the world. So thank you Van Bon and Vroman. I know I'm butchering your names, but thank you for putting this out there. It is appreciated. Now to that audio version of the test. Why audio? One of the main reasons why I even thought about it was because there are some studies that show that music and audio feedback during varying intensities while cycling increase performance. But that's not really the main reason that I wanted to do it. I do believe that there are some intervals that should not be capped by a prescribed power number. So my main reasons are similar to why most intervals on the trainer are better done without erg mode, or if you're doing intervals outside, placing a set limit on sprints and short intervals might be holding you back. So the two main reasons for this test are there's a range of powers that elicit VO2 max. There really isn't a set number. So having an open-ended test with you having no visual feedback of where your numbers are should give you a higher test result, especially in the shorter efforts. Also, it's about technique, pacing, and mental skills of an athlete. While you're producing an effort, it's very important to learn these and understand how your body reacts to these types of intensities so you can become a better athlete. I'm going to drop these into the podcast feed in the next day or so, so keep an eye out for them. I would also love any feedback you have. You can get me by emailing podcast at semiprocycling.com. But that's it for now. Ride Better, Faster is written, hosted, and scored by me, Damien Roos. You can check out more episodes at semiprocycling.com. Shout out to Rick2916. Thanks for the review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, ride well.